0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. So, what are you living for? What's your driving motivation in life? What's what's the priority of your life right now? Um, You know, I think at different stages in our lives, we those priorities can kind of shift and change sometimes, and based on where you are in life, based on What's going on in your life right now, you can have some different priorities, different things that are kind of the, the motivation, the thing that's driving you the most right now. Maybe you're early in your, uh, your career, and so right now you're motivated to really establish yourself in your career you're're you you the thing that's driving you is to you know kind of get settled in that career um, you know make some money provide for your family make a lot of money I mean you just you know that's that's kind of where you are and that's 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 what's motivating you right now maybe you're uh, maybe you're a new parent got new you know new kid got kids at home first time and and, and young kids at home and so right now the motivation of your life is that that's kind of that's really kind of consumes a whole lot of your time and a whole lot of your energy and a whole lot of your attention and focus is trying to be that father that you know you need to be that mom that you know you need to be and so you're that's sort of what's driving you right now is you want to you, you, that's kind of your priority right now is trying to be that have a good family have a good marriage you know uh, i been i just did a wedding yesterday and and so maybe that's what's really your focus right now is you really want your marriage to be strong and man marriages are under attack and so you need to focus on that and so that's a that's a priority maybe you've kind of sensed that your marriage has slipped a little bit or something and there's some some uh cracks forming in the foundation there so your your priority is to try to get that get your marriage strong again and that's a great great thing great thing to be concerned about and and make sure that you do it. Maybe you're, maybe you're still in school, you know, your, your focus, your motivation is, I, w- I want to finish school, I want to finish high school. It, uh, you know, if you're in college, trying to work on that degree, trying to get that thing finished up and stuff like that. So having success there, having success on the athletic field or athletic court or something like that, that's, that's kind of the thing that's motivating. So, I mean, we have all these, these priorities, we, 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 and there's nothing, there was nothing I said there that was a wrong thing. There's nothing I said there that was like, oh, you shouldn't do that. I mean, there's, there, it's okay to have those priorities and those motivations, but here's, the, here's here's, something I want you to grab onto. When you give your life to Christ, and, and a bunch of us here have done that, when you give your life to Jesus and you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, your, your priorities change. And again, I'm not saying that that you have to give up your desires to you know to be a good athlete or give up your desires to be successful in your field give up your desires to make a lot of money i'm not saying that those things are wrong and when you give your life to christ all those have to go away because certainly we know people that are very great christ followers great christian godly people that are very successful in their careers in the business world and they make a lot of money and and or people that are in the in the uh, uh, in uh, in the academic world, or people that are in the medical world, or uh, the athletic world that that are strong Christ followers, and they're leaders in their field, and you, we we know that there are people that are very wealthy people that that are strong Christ followers, and they know why the Lord has blessed them with their wealth is so that they can support the the work of the kingdom of God and things like that. So I'm not saying that all of those things are are wrong and that you have to give all those things up. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. It's just that the, the top priority of your life has changed. And everything else comes under that priority. Everything else comes under the priority of making much of Jesus. Y'all, excuse me just a second. I got a mint in my mouth, and I'm about to spit it out while I'm preaching. So um, there we go. All right, so that would have been really embarrassing, as if that wasn't embarrassing. But anyway, uh, so when you give your life to Christ, it's that the top priority of your life changes. And the top priority of your life is summed up in the title of the sermon for today, The top priority of your life becomes making much of Jesus when you give your life to Christ. And everything else being a great athlete, being a great student, being a great business person, being a great whatever, a great parent, a great husband, a great wife all of those things come under that priority. That one's got to drive everything in your life, making much of Jesus. Now, if you're a member of 1st Baptist Flora, hopefully you've heard those words a few times. Uh, it's, it's kind of our uh, our motto, our purpose statement. And when I got here two and a half years ago, the staff, we started talking about wanting to have something that we could just kind of grab onto, some short, succinct statement that would be very descriptive of what we want to do as a church and what we must do as a church. And so we came up with this, and this kind of became our uh, our, our marching orders. That this, this these four words, making much of Jesus, encapsulate everything that we are trying to do as a church. It's it's it, and it's, it's what we must must do as a church. Because when you're making much of Jesus, you're doing what the church is supposed to be doing. Number one, you're reaching people who are lost, and we're never going to stop doing that. That's why Wednesday a week this past Wednesday we were in revival, but the Wednesday before. There were 100 people, a 100 people who showed up that Wednesday night for refresh and prayed and then hit the streets and went out and went door to door right here in Florida, Mississippi, telling folks about Jesus, knocking on doors, talking to people about Jesus, and five people gave their lives to Christ that Wednesday night. Because when you're making, yeah, that's cool, man, I'm just telling you. And when you're making much of Jesus, you will never stop telling folks about Jesus we're never gonna stop doing that we can never back away from that but we also we we tell lost people about Jesus but then we disciple those who know Christ and that's why a bunch of y'all are in discipleship relationships Why Mark and I've been working so hard this year mark especially this year on really getting people plugged into discipleship relationships and meeting together on on a regular basis to talk about what it means to walk with the Lord and helping each other. Do that. We have to do that. But when you're making much of Jesus, you're doing those things. You're telling folks about Jesus that are lost. Telling lost people about Jesus. And you're helping saved people grow to be more like Jesus. And that's what it means to be making much of Jesus. It drives everything. Everything is we do as a church has to point toward this. Everything that we do in corporate worship. This morning 830. Packed house over there in the sanctuary. Singing hymns that were written hundreds of years ago. Man, in my quiet time this past week, uh, I've got a 1956 Baptist hymnal that I keep beside my uh, recliner for my quiet time. And occasionally, or frequently, I reach over and get that hymnal in my quiet time. Just open up, start reading some of those old hymns, Matt. I mean, just, uh, I was reading one this past week and I, was, uh, I, that I dropped down, looked at the bottom of the page. The, 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 the hymn was written in the 1700s. And it was just speaking to my heart. So everything that we do over there, whether we're singing a 300-old hymn over there, or whether we're in here and we're singing a song that was written in the last year, everything that we do in corporate worship has to make much of Jesus. Everything that we do, every song that we sing, every sermon that is preached, I must make much of Jesus in my sermons. You have the right to hold me accountable on that. That my sermons must make much of Jesus. Everything that we do as a church. Our preschool ministry has to make much of Jesus. Our children's ministry, our student ministry has to make much of Jesus. Every life group leader. If you're a life group leader and you were packed out in your room today, or if you had people in your room and you're back together in your life group, every life group leader, whether they're meeting here on campus or meeting off campus during the week, you listen to me, life group leaders, your life group must make much of Jesus. It ain't just to get in there and it's wonderful to have fellowship and I want you to have fellowship and that's why we're back together again is because we need to rebuild and reconnect the community of our church. But you got to be sure you're making much of Jesus in those life groups. Everything that we do, every every deacon that's in our church, whether you're a... Active serving deacon right now, whether you're a deacon that rolled off three, five, ten years ago, you're supposed to be making much of Jesus as a deacon. When you rolled off, you didn't lose your ordination. When you got ordained as a deacon, you became a deacon, period, period. You're a deacon, and you're supposed to be making much of Jesus by serving the church. Every deacon must do that. Every mission trip we take has to make much of Jesus. Every every member of our staff, every member of our staff must strive To make much of jesus in their personal life because we ain't going to be worth anything if we're not making much of jesus in our personal lives i hold them accountable once a month they fill out a form that they give back to me that tells me what they're doing in their quiet times and how they're walking with the lord and i share that same information with our deacon chairman i give that information on my personal life to our chairman of deacons so we can hold each other accountable on walking with the Lord and making much I'm telling y'all this is it. when we build a building and obviously we need to be thinking about building a building when we build a building it must be constructed and dedicated to help us make much of Jesus when we go plant a church not if we plant a church but when we go plant another church it must make much of Jesus in everything I'm telling you this is what we got to be doing we got to make much of Jesus and I will tell you something if we are not doing this then we just play in church and I ain't playing church. Uh, we ain't got time to play church, do we, Mark? We ain't got time to play. We just, if we ain't making much of Jesus, we're just going to be going through the motions. I told the church the other night during one of the revival services, if you were here, that one of the things I struggle with as a pastor all, all through these years, and a lot of us pastors struggle with this because we got egos just like y'all do. I mean, when I stand up in front of a big old a big old crowd of people like this and at 830 and Man, I don't know how many folks we're going to have here today. Probably close to 600 people are here today. And man, some, if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful and Mark can hold me accountable on this, and he does sometimes very pointedly, and uh, that I can get pretty prideful. It's like, man, look here, you know, all these folks came to hear me preach. No, you know, and I'm telling you, that stuff happens to me just like it happens to y'all. And it, but I told the church the other night in the revival, God's dealing with me. He's dealt with me about that. still dealing with me about that because I don't want a big church. I want a real church. I want to pastor a real church. People that are serious about making much of Jesus. And if that means that it's down to three or four of us that are serious about that, then so be it. And there might be some people who decide, you know what, I ain't going there. We may shrink. Some folks say that's too much for me. I, I don't want to go there. We just got to make much of Jesus because if we're not, we're just playing church. If if, if, If we're not making much of Jesus, then we are lost because Jesus is the way. If we're not making much of Jesus, we have no foundation because Jesus is the truth. If we're not making much of Jesus, then we are dead because Jesus is the life. That's why we must continue to make much of Jesus. Grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Verses 27 and 28. I hope you got your Bible with you. Grab it. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews is way over close to the back of the Bible. If you get to Revelation, hang a left and back up about three or four books and you'll get there. Hebrews chapter 9, the last two verses of uh, chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 27 and 28. So would you stand, please, and let's read these two verses. scripture says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. May God bless the reading of his perfect word this morning. Let's pray. So Father, help us now to hear from your spirit who is with us. You are surely in this place. You're with us, speak to us, teach us, and help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. Quick uh, little snapshot of the book of Hebrews. Um, I hadn't preached out of Hebrews in a long time. I'll just give you a little quick, under, uh, quick snapshot of this book. Uh, great New Testament book. Um, uh, don't really know who wrote it. Uh, there's some people that believe that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote it. There's some evidence for that. But there's also a whole lot of things that Paul wrote in some of his other, other letters that Hebrews doesn't sound like that. And so Paul had a, like we all have st- our own style of doing things, Paul had a style, a way that he did things. And there's some things that are similar in Hebrews, but there's some things that are really not very similar at all. And So the jury's kind of, maybe the, some of y'all might think the Apostle Paul, and that's, that's, there's a whole lot of people that think that. Some people that think maybe um, Luke wrote it same guy that wrote the gospel of luke some people think that maybe luke wrote this book i i kind of lean that direction but still the, the jury but that still doesn't that doesn't matter it, it's not like well we don't know who wrote it so it doesn't need to be in the bible no it is the inspired word of god It's supposed to be there let me tell you what was going on in this book um one of the things that was happening here is you know when the when the early church got started um it was made up of of people who used to be jews they came out of their Jewish background with all their Old Testament rituals and sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. And they got saved when the day of Pentecost came. Holy Spirit came. They gave their life to Jesus. And the church was born. And so they came out of that Jewish background. But what was happening here in the book of Hebrews is the uh, they were getting persecuted. The, the, Jew, the former Jews were getting persecuted by the present Jews. Because the present Jews, the people that were still Jews, were going Y'all are, not, y'all are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Y'all are, y'all are supposed to still be doing the sacrifice. You're still supposed to be keeping all the rituals and rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff. And, and so they started persecuting. They started persecuting the Christians who used to be Jews for not being Jews anymore. There's one person that said this. He said that the book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew to other Hebrews telling the Hebrews to stop acting like Hebrews. I mean, that, that's, what it, that's what this book is all about. They were trying to avoid persecution, and so what was happening is some of the Christians were kind of going, okay, well, I'm going to to kind of slide back toward doing some of that, some of those rituals so so that I won't get persecuted. Nobody likes to get persecuted, but that ain't what we as Christians are called to do. The truth of the matter is, we're going to get persecuted. You need to understand that. The Bible tells us that, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, great verse of Scripture. You ought to memorize this verse of Scripture. It says, those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul told Timothy that. One of the last things Paul wrote to Timothy is said, Timothy, get ready, bro. If you're going to keep living for the Lord, you're going to keep living a life and try to glorify God with your life, you're going to get persecuted. So your pastor standing before you right now and telling you, brother, sister, if you're going to make much of Jesus with your life, and you're going to strive to live for Him, then you can expect that persecution is going to come. And Christians just need to understand that. that And and so Hebrews was written to try to help these people prepare for the persecution. This is a great New Testament book. And the writer, whether it's Paul, Luke, or whoever, wrote some things to warn the people about some things. Warn them about persecution. Expect it. Get ready for it. Also warning them that (coughs) they need to Uh, don't harden your heart. There's a verse in, in Hebrews that says this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's a great word for right now, for you and me today. If you today, in singing these songs that we've been singing, and you today in your life group, or you today right now as the pastor's preaching, are hearing the voice of God as he speaks because he still speaks, then don't harden your heart. Don't go, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to respond to that. The writer of Hebrews talks about The writer of Hebrews warned them, don't stop meeting together. Don't stop going to church. Now look, this is a good word for us today. I told the 830 crowd this. I'm telling you now. This is, you, you look around. We were having to grab chairs everywhere we could grab chairs all morning long. And it's probably going to be like that for a long time. So some of you are going to go, you know what, I'm sick and tired of that. I'm sick and tired of having to try to find a seat in this place. I ain't coming back. Well, that's your prerogative, but you'll be disobedient to the Word of God. Because the writer of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. You know anybody that's in the habit of not coming to church? He said don't give up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together. Don't care, don't care how uncomfortable it gets. Don't care if you have to sit on the floor. Don't care if you have to stand up the whole time. Don't care if you if you have to get chairs every time you walk in the door. Do not give up meeting together. This is so important. The writer of Hebrews talks about that. You want to know how you how you get ready for persecution? You want to know how you are serious about church membership and church involvement? You want to know how you can uh Uh, be sure that you're not hardening your heart. Keep doing this. Keep making much of Jesus in your life. You keep making much of Jesus. You won't care about being uncomfortable when you come to church. You keep making much of Jesus. You'll be ready when persecution comes. You keep making much of Jesus. You'll respond in obedience when the voice of God speaks to you. Keep making much of Jesus. So that's the application for this message, very simply, that every Christ follower should be making much of Jesus in their lives. Every Christ follower should be making much of Jesus in their lives. That means that he's the top priority. Remember, back to the very first of the message. He is the top priority of your life. Everything else comes under that. So why? Why should we keep making much of Jesus? There's four reasons I want to give to you today. Number one, reason number one is this, because everyone has an upcoming appointment. Why do you need to keep making much of Jesus? Because every one of us has an upcoming appointment. It is appointed a man wants to die. Appointed a man wants to die. Now look, I'm not trying to be morbid, not trying to be depressing, not trying to be <laughs> pessimistic, but the stats are in, and 100 out of 100 people die. So, I mean, it's, it, that everybody's got an appointment coming. You don't know when it is, but that appointment is coming. It's, it's going to happen. I got a, I got a flyer. <laughs> I got a flyer in the mail that went to my mailbox a couple of days ago, a few days ago, and I opened it up. There was one thing in my mailbox that day, one thing, and it was just a flyer. It was just a card, and it was from a, it was from a local funeral home, and they were running a special, a special on cremation. I mean, you I mean, you get it. Was, and here's what happened to me. I took it in the house. I put it on the counter. Vicky always gets mad because I leave that junk on the counter, and I put it on the counter, and this is what happened. I was standing there I went, Hmm, that's a pretty good price, you know. I mean, I started thinking, that ain't bad, you know. Uh, because guess what? My day's coming. My day's coming. Might be today. Might be twenty years from now. Your day's coming. Everybody's got an upcoming appointment, and and that that word appointment, that appointed, means you got a reservation. You got a reservation. You 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 got a a an appointment that is waiting on you and you go to a restaurant and you make a reservation if you something happens and you can't get a babysitter or something like that you can call up and cancel your reservation you make an appointment at your doctor's office not feeling good make an appointment but then you start feeling better you can call the doctor up and say you know i'm gonna cancel my appointment let me tell you something this appointment that's coming can't be canceled you don't get to cancel this appointment it's coming you better be making much of Jesus because everybody's got an upcoming appointment. That means if you don't know Christ, if you have never made much of Jesus in your life, then today is the day you need to give your life to Christ. Because you've got an appointment coming. You can't cancel this appointment. You've got one life to live and you're living it right now. So that means you've got one opportunity, this one life, to determine what are you going to do with Jesus and if you've never given your life to Christ, and today is the day to do that. And if you have given your life to Christ, then are you making much of Jesus? Because this day's going to come, and then it's going to be over. You don't have any opportunity after that. You better be making much of Jesus. Why? Because you got an upcoming... Everybody has an upcoming appointment. second reason is because everyone will face the judgment. Everybody's going to face the judgment. It is appointed man once to die, and after that, after that appointment comes judgment everybody everybody that judgment is coming I'll tell you something there's no intervening status between the time you die and judgment there's no reincarnation I'm not going to come back and get a second chance there is no purgatory there there's a very large Religious organization that believes that there is a place called purgatory. There's no place that you, die, after you die, you go there and you hang out there and hope that there's some people that are still alive that are going to pray enough to get you out of there or going to do enough good works to earn your way out of there or to give enough money to the church so that you can get out of that place called purgatory. It, there is no place like that. I remember when I was at another church. And a young guy died. He was in his 20s, early 20s, dropped dead. He, his appointment was in his early 20s. He dropped dead on an oil rig in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Called me up and they said, hey, would you help with his funeral? I didn't even know the guy. And I said, well, yeah, I will. And so I went over to the funeral home a couple of days later when they got his body in. And I walked into the funeral home that evening for the visitation time. And he was laid out over there in the casket. And I walked in and there were candles burning all around the room. Candles burning all around the room. His mom came up to me in desperation, tears in her eyes, and said, please, 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 go tell everybody that you know to pray for Him. And I wanted to say, it's too late. Please go tell everybody, get everybody that you know to pray for Him so we can pray Him out of purgatory. Those were her exact words to me. It's too late. That ain't going to happen. Because you die, and then you face judgment. That's it. you got one life right now. you got an appointment coming, and you're going to face judgment after that appointment. Now, let me explain this to you. Be very careful. I want to be very clear about this. Everybody listen to this. Christians, you are going to face judgment, too. Let me explain your judgment. Let me explain our judgment. There's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. Listen, Christians, if you know Christ, if you know that you know that you know that you know that you belong to Jesus, then you're going to face the judgment seat of Christ. Write this verse down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this. Paul said, for we, Now he's writing to believers, he's writing to the church. So listen, church, he's saying, for we, the church, Christians, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he, is, what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. So you will face the judgment seat of Christ, but listen to me very clearly. I want you to understand this. You are not facing judgment for your sin. Do you understand that? If you know Christ, y'all, this is why there's joy in the house of the Lord. This is why we can rejoice in the Lord, is because if you know this is why it's so awesome to know Christ. Is because when he died on the cross, he paid the price for your sins. He took the judgment of God upon himself so that we don't have to. Amen, church. If there's ever a place that you should have ever said amen, it's right there because you're not going to face, I'm not going to face judgment for my sins because Jesus has already paid the price for my sins. I'm not going to face that judgment. <laughs> Whoo! Man! That's a great thing right there. You, so what do we face judgment for then, John? You understand, when Jesus died, the Bible says that he drank. He drank the cup of God's judgment for you so you and i don't have to drink it i mean he drank it down to the last drop every bit of god's judgment for our sin was poured out on jesus that's why it was so horrible that's why he hung on the cross and said my god my god why have you forsaken me because he was taking all the judgment of our sin upon himself so then john what are we going to be judged for you're going to be judged for how you live in for the lord right now that's where the judgment comes you are going to face that judgment you're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to face judgment for how you are making much of Jesus with your life right now. So, and why? Because you're going to get rewards for that. You're stacking up rewards in heaven for how you're living for the Lord. So there's going to be different people with different levels of rewards in heaven. Yeah. They're still going to be in heaven. I mean, yeah, that's wonderful, but there's going to be different levels of rewards based on how you are living for the Lord. I heard a preacher say one night time that the life we're living right now is the time that you're building your report card. You're building a report card. You stand before the Lord, and you're, you're going to present your report card. This is how, now, we're not, we're not saved by our good works. You understand that? We're not, you're not saved by being a good person and living for the Lord, but your rewards in heaven are based on how you're living for the Lord now. That's why you ought to be making much of Jesus, because you're going to face that judgment. As a believer, another judgment is this. Listen to this Revelation chapter 20. Here's the other judgment the great white throne judgment. Then I saw a great white throne. The Apostle John's writing here, and he said, And him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what is written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Verse 15, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, if you don't know Christ, there's the judgment you're facing. If you don't know Jesus, there's your judgment that you're facing right now. If you die right now, if you kill over from a heart attack right here in the middle of this worship service, we'll jump over there, we'll do CPR on you as hard as we can. But if it's your time and you're gone and your appointment is right now, then if you don't know Jesus, then the judgment that you're going to face is the great white throne judgment where the books are going to be opened, your name in there, you're cast into the lake of fire. That's it why you need to be making much of Jesus because there's a judgment coming you don't know Jesus today's the day you ought to give your life to Christ because you're gonna face judgment the judgments coming everybody is gonna face that judgment and and part of making much of Jesus is we got we prepare for that judgment but I don't want any of you that's why I'm standing up here telling you I don't want you to have to face the great white throne judgment if you don't know Christ I want you to come to know Jesus there's another reason why we need to be making much of Jesus. Because Jesus paid the price for our sins. That verse goes on to say, having been offered once to bear the sins for many. Jesus, there's only one person that could pay the price. That's Jesus. There's only one sacrifice that was necessary, and that was Jesus' sacrifice. There's only one way to be forgiven of our sins and saved, and that is Jesus. Jesus. All those Old Testament sacrifices were shadows that pointed toward jesus is once for all sacrifice one sacrifice for all people jesus came and paid the price that's why you need to be making much of jesus because you start thinking about that you start realizing that you start realizing how awesome jesus is and what he's done for you you just want to make much of him you just want to make much of him for the rest of your life john the baptist first time he saw jesus he looked and he said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians 5 7, he says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 5, 6 that Jesus came by the blood of His sacrifice. Peter said in 1 Peter three eighteen that Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. Man, Jesus paid the price. Why you want to make much of Jesus? It's because Jesus paid for your sins and finally because Jesus is coming again. That's why we need to be making much of Jesus because that last part of verse 28 says there that Jesus will appear a second time. He is coming again. Man, when I was a kid, growing up in uh, Cleveland, Emanuel Baptist Church, uh, we had this gospel quartet in our church. And they would sing every now and then in one of our church services. I remember as a little kid, Mr. Mr. John Ed Crow was the, uh, isn't that a great name, man, for the high tenor in a, in a gospel quartet? Just sounds like the high tenor. Mr. John Ed Crow. And he, would, he got up, and they would sing, and they would sing the song, the old gospel song, Jesus is coming soon. And this is the chorus of that song. Listen to the chorus. Man, I remember as a kid, this just got burned into my soul and my mind that says, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous meet in the skies. Going where no one dies, heavenward bound. And man, I remember as a kid, thank you. I remember as a kid saying, thinking, how awesome is it that Jesus is coming again? And he is. And so we got to be making much of Jesus to get ready for the fact that Jesus is coming again. So I just want to ask you today, are you making much of Jesus in your personal life? Do you know, first of all, do you know Jesus is your Lord? Are you ready to face judgment? Are you ready right now, if today is your day for your appointment today, are you ready to face your judgment? If you're not, man, give your life to Christ today. And for the rest of us, if you know Jesus, are you making much of Him? The last night of the revival service, that Wednesday night, Uh, bill elliff preached and the invitation was given for us to be all in for jesus all in for jesus all in i'll tell you something you talk about thrilling my heart to see all the people that came down mark was down front Gil was down front michael was down front i was down front and the altar was flooded with people coming saying i'm all in i'm all in I'm all in. That's what it means to make much of Jesus. It's to say, I'm all in. I'm all in for him. He will be the priority of my life. And so maybe today you know he ain't your priority right now. But you can walk out here today and he can be your priority. As you make a commitment day, let's make much of Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, help us now during these final moments of this service, Lord, to to make much of Jesus, even during this invitation, Lord, that we won't miss this opportunity, God, to let you be in control of our lives. Let you be the one calling the shots that we will truly be all in and make much of you today, Father, in our lives today. We trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.